Welcome to the latest episode of Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield. And I'm Adelina Chalmers, the Geek Whisperer. Joining us today, we have Louise Jopling and Jenny Coleman from Eastern Academic Health Science Network, or Eastern as we like to call them. EHSN or Eastern as we um, as we call them. These are the perfect example of how the Bradfield collaborates with organisations um, that aren't necessarily members of the building. Uh, and we've run a number of innovation programmes with Eastern over the last 18 months. So just looking forward to chatting to them both about how the experience of working with us and, the, and most importantly, the outcomes of those programmes. Well, I, I'm really interested to hear more about how they bring innovation to the NHS. Um, because I have heard a lot about them, but never quite understood exactly what they do, how they do it, and to whom they do it. So really looking forward to hearing more about them. So Louise and Jenny, thanks so much for joining us uh, on today's episode. I really appreciate you both taking the time. Um, why don't we start off just by getting a little kind of bit of background on both of you and how you've arrived at your roles at Eastern. Thanks, James. It's Louise here. I'm, I joined Eastern AHSN as commercial director just over a year ago, so February 2019. And I'm an immunologist by training, so I am a geeky scientist um, at heart. And I've worked in academia, biotech, mid and large size pharma across the spectrum of um research and development through to product launch. So um, I was really excited to join the Eastern team, again, given this ecosystem, um, to, to use that experience to harness the innovations that we've got in this region for um, adoption into the NHS. Hi, yeah, and I'm Jenny Coleman. I uh, started working for Eastern AHSN in January 2019. I've been here for about a year and a half now. Um, I started originally as a commercial coordinator um, as I had a background in um, quite a lot of operational roles uh, in healthcare, uh, including at Adderbrooks Hospital um, and uh, Hertfordshire GP surgeries. Um, I have since um, moved on to become um, the innovation lead for um, the Eastern HSN commercial team um, and work really closely um, with um, Lou and uh, some of my other colleagues to really encourage innovation um, in, in the Eastern region. Brilliant. Could you tell us a bit more about the role of, um, of EHSN? Sure. So it, the Academic Health Science Networks have been in place since 2013 and they are there are 15. They're part of a national network across England funded by NHS England, NHS Improvement and the Office for Life Sciences. And our mandate really is to enable the acceleration of adoption and spread of innovation within the NHS. Um, we bring together, we're networked with our 
local health and care partners. So Eastern AHSN covers pretty much East Anglia. And so we know our NHS, our health and care stakeholders and their specific needs based on the demographic in our region. And our role within the commercial team, so mine and Jenny's, is to help support those innovators that perhaps match the needs of our healthcare system. And that should ultimately fuel that uptake so that the population within our region can benefit. And so our ultimate purpose is to turn those great ideas into a positive health impact. Could you give us a flavour of some of those programmes that you, you're kind of running across, well, both maybe at a national level and then also at a regional level with Eastern? Sure. So about 50% of our resources, so people's time, our finances, etc., cetera, uh, deliver the national programmes. So these are programmes, there are seven to date, um, that each AHSN, so all 15 of us across England, are um, are helping to implement within clinical practice. And these are programs that have been proven to, uh, to support uh, benefits and positive impact for the, for the system. And that may have been in one or two geographies. And so then that enables through the network to really accelerate that spread on a national scale. So that's one area. So those are our national programs. And then for the other sort of half of our resource, let's call it, um, we can um, identify um, what we call sort of local delivery programs that are maybe innovators from within our ecosystem, so from within the eastern region, or maybe outside that their innovation absolutely matches one of the healthcare needs in our region. And, and we focus on four very broad areas that are aligned, not just with the NHS long-term plan, but with what our regional NHS stakeholders uh, see as the highest priorities. And those are mental health, early detection of cancer, rare diseases and personalised medicine. And then overarching that is, is living and ageing well. So um, obviously any innovation that is, is coming through our portal or coming to us, um, we, will, we will match to um, one or more of those health themes and engage with the stakeholders in our region accordingly. And the aim is for those programmes one day to become national programmes so that we spread those into other geographies. Well, I suppose then one of the, the questions is worth asking, what are the strengths of the East of England uh, comparing to the rest of the UK? Wow, that's a, that's a big one, Adelina. Um, so I, as a, as a, I'll start off as a geeky scientist, having worked on two of uh, the science parks with, within the Cambridge um, cluster in a very early stage of my career, is that it's, it's that startup life sciences expertise, absolutely, from the innovator perspective. Um, I think we have um, obviously a unique demographic in as much as um, approximately 85% of 
the population within the east of England, and that's around 6 million people. Um, approximately 85% of those that are born here will rest, spend the rest of their lives here. So it's a huge opportunity for longitudinal healthcare research. Um, we've obviously got um, areas of, of rurality, um, whether it's Norfolk, etc. But we've got those huge um, world-leading universities. And I think what we also see, it's not necessarily unique to East, East of England, but is certainly one of our USPs, is that co-location of the entrepreneurial startups, that collaborative spirit, and also those science parks and innovators being very close to the hospital context. So you can really start to translate um, bench to bedside and vice versa. One of the tenets of the commercial team within Eastern AHSN is to help not just uh, enable that startup community of which uh, that was happening before the AHSNs uh, existed, but really to capitalise that and also to support those companies in that scale-up journey. Because what we know is that a lot of there are a lot of successes in this in this region, but actually there's sort of quite few and far between those companies that grow up from our region and really stay and become those global organisations. Often we hear of companies looking for investment outside of the UK and maybe choosing to locate their base perhaps in the US or, or elsewhere. And so this is a, a big, this obviously aligns with the life sciences strategy um, and, and we at Eastern are trying to do our, our part. And that is also one of our, um, if you like, our metrics in creating and fostering that economic growth for our region, but also for UK PLC. Yeah, it's really about engaging um, everyone, the, the brightest and the best in the academia world, the industry world, the research world and, and anything else that's on our patch and bringing them all together. So one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, can you give us an example of where you, you don't have to give us the real name of the company if you don't want to, but just give us a case study of where you, you got the academia, the research, the startups, the companies kind of to, to bring innovation faster to the healthcare sector. Can you give us a case study? It'd be, I think, really interesting to hear how this works. Yeah, we've we've got many, Adelina. I'll give you one that's really pertinent to um, to myself and uh, is right on in the sweet spot of Cambridge a, a Clinical Academic at Adambrooks, who have just was about to receive um, regulatory approval for the world's first artificial pancreas. And this is Professor Roman Havorka at Adam Brooks Hospital. Um, and I was introduced to him in around October last year. And what, so this, this is absolutely uh, an amazing opportunity for people living with type 1 diabetes, which actually is an autoimmune disease, and um, without 
the appropriate insulin administration um, would die. And and this algorithm um, enables real-time um, uh, delivery through communication with a sensor, a glucose sensor, and, a, and an insulin pump. So in real-time, the, the um, type 1 diabetics are, are being um, kept, kept healthy. And so speaking with um, Professor Havorka, uh, we very quickly ascertained that a healthy economic modelling would, uh, would be something that is of huge value to the spin-out company he'd created, CamDiab. And um, so that was something that we were able to commission within about four weeks of, of that first meeting. Um, and that coincided uh, very nicely. So obviously that shows what the, um, the cost uh, analysis and the budget impact um, of the technology would be. Um, and we are continuing to work with Roman um, in uh, developing a sort of value proposition and um, go-to-market strategy. Um, and finally, where appropriate and where that fits with the company's ambition and launch strategy, we are also um, potentially able to broker relationships in, in other countries through our network as well, so that this can go potentially beyond the UK and we can help Roman and the CAMDIAB team accelerate the, um, the utilisation of this absolutely amazing technology for type 1 diabetics. Amazing, thank you. Thank you. Really inspiring stuff. So so um Louise and Jenny, I mean when I when I think about when we set out to create the Bradfield Centre and we thought about what we wanted to be, um, clearly kind of the provision of workspace to scale ups to give them a home was a key part of that proposition. And that's what a lot of people know us for. But also, you know, we really wanted to be a contributor to the wider ecosystem and partner with various organizations to deliver, you know, innovation programs and, and other innovation activities. I, I always kind of cite you guys as, as, as a great example of one of those partnerships that we've formed over the last 18 months. Um, you know, we've obviously done quite a lot of activity together now uh, from things like um, the, the Academy, the tech, MedTech Boost, the, the, the Dementia event that you ran. So I just wonder if we could spend a little bit of time maybe getting a sense of your perspective of partnering the Bradfield, you know, why, why you felt like that was a good thing to do and maybe just kind of walk through some of those activities that we've done together. Thanks, James. And this is something that I'm really passionate about and very excited about as well. So as I joined Eastern AHSN, I think probably within the first two weeks of being in post, I visited the Bradfield Centre, met yourself, met Soraya and, and met Jeanette Walker in the context of the science part more broadly. And I think from day one was blown away by just the vibrant um, uh, ecosystem, that that vibrant sense of collaboration as you walk through the door um, of the Bradfield Centre. And I think I was just made to feel so welcome and part of the family. Um, and I, I felt that in our all of those initial conversations that it was a team that were really open to experimenting. And I was in a position where that was exactly what I wanted to do. Sorry, I keep bringing it back to being a scientist, don't I? But 
it's it was that every conversation we had where an idea could start to form and then we could actually take it through to delivery and i think that's that was a really great hallmark for for the events and and then the bradfield center felt a very natural um partnership for some of the other initiatives we took forward so jenny i don't know if you've got any comments on that as well yeah i mean i I visited the bradfield um a bit later on um in the sort of our relationship with uh, with you guys but uh, it, it, the minute you got there you it just re- it really did it felt like a, a home for things to grow um the facilities were great um all of the events that that we've um run along alongside the bradfield center have just had the best atmosphere um they've bought the really they've really bought the audience that was really appropriate and and i think reached the right people um and because that they're all on your doorstep um which is fantastic um and i mean the the coffee's pretty good too so yeah yeah (laughs) that's a bonus um should we spend a little bit of time talking about specifically kind of medtech boost because i think that was quite a high profile program and and hopefully successful for you guys and jenna you even were part of one of the teams that went through that whole process yeah, if I start, James, then we can come on to perhaps Jenny's specific experience, which evolved pretty much on the day. Um, but yeah, Med- MedTech Boost, I think that was one of those first meetings that we had, wasn't it, James? Um, and whilst this was probably the first of the three programmes that we we ran at the Bradfield Centre in partnership with you guys, um, this this took a, a while to to sort of evolve but that was partly because we needed to set in place the application process and, and work out what um, what the content was going to evolve, revolve around and so this was um, an opportunity to bring the best minds together so that's a lot of the convening that, that Eastern um, really uh, work work hard on but it was to to work on uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, solutions for key healthcare themes. Now, we then had to go back to those clinicians in our region that um, were going to be ultimately uh, informing us as to what those healthcare themes could and should be. So, we wanted to lead one on mental health and one on the living and aging well or healthy aging as we called it and but but we can't do that without patient involvement and without clinical involvement and so we ca- we came up with the challenge themes uh, in those two areas um, in partnership with Cambridge and Peterborough Foundation Trust and then voice which was a, a is a patient national patient um, group and then it was really a who was going to apply and and I remember being blown away just because it was over the summer holidays last year and um, we weren't quite sure how many we were going to get. I think we could host around 25 people on the actual program and um, I think we were in excess of 60 uh, applicants, not just from our region, not just from the UK, but from across Europe and I already felt then that was a success in my eyes and then just being part of that five-day 
boot camp where everybody came together. We put teams together based on sort of their expertise listed on an Excel spreadsheet, really. And actually what I'm delighted about is how those teams where those individuals didn't necessarily know each other before the event, many of those teams have stayed together. And Jenny, you were one of those teams. So do you want to give your experience? Yeah, so um, sort of started the day um, hoping to just sort of watch and listen in the background and learn. Um, But because of kind of partly who I am and because of a a gap on the day, um, I kind of went in feet first um, and joined one of the teams um, to to start getting really involved. And for me, that was fantastic because getting stuck in really helps me to learn. Um, It was a a very intense five days, um, but it was a real... um, focused look at how we can move um an idea for because a lot of them started at at just an idea stage um and move it forward um to become a, a, a really sort of compelling value proposition that that could potentially fit into um what we have now which is a quite a complex healthcare system so um I worked with, with, with Team 4, which were um, Cosma, was um, sort of um, AI and, and video um, games that um, actually helped. Or the idea was to um, help uh, brain sort of stimulation and patients with dementia um, to, to try and, 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 and improve outcomes potentially um, and, and keep your brain active. Um, really interesting proposition. Um, we sort of went back to scratch. It started as quite a developed idea, which was was quite different to some of the other teams. Um, but it was really changing and altering that um, focus as to where it would fit in along um, what the current uh, dementia pathways are now in the healthcare system. But also maybe sort of mapping out if we had to um, redesign a pathway and, and how it could potentially um, benefit patients longer term and where, where that kind of technology would fit in. Um, it was it was just a really amazing day. And I have to say the mentors and the, the quality of the mentors that came along to that day um, were, were just a, a, a astonishing, really. Um, the experience that they had um, was just invaluable to the um, delegates that were that were, were being a part of the teams, um, and it was just a really imp- imp- impressive sort of way. I think that actually the the most beneficial was some of the um, mentors that had actually been there and done that. So they bought the t-shirt, um, and so they've already um, tried to start up a business, or um, started and failed, or started and moved on, or start and and had an idea, or got. Um, uh, an innovation a little bit further along that pipeline um and uh some of the advice they gave um these guys w- was just um phenomenal absolutely phenomenal yeah i mean similar to your both of your thoughts i mean i was just really taken aback maybe i shouldn't be surprised but just the the reception across the whole cambridge ecosystem to come and support the program as well you know i think pretty much every institution and um 
tech organization in the in the local area came in to provide mentorship to help judge um and in fact if you go to medtechboost.com you can actually see a list of all the organizations that supported the program um i've obviously got to give a special uh special recognition to studio zao who helped who are our delivery partner for the program and, and obviously ran the kind of five-day program so in fact jamie and davide from studio zao will be coming on a future show um, shortly so it'll be great to get their perspective as well um but how i mean how how have things gone since the program finished uh, you know what kind of uh, next steps did you see yeah so we're continuing to work with um at least five of the six companies um one was quite fairly mature in its um in its proposition i think um the others are at either different stages where they now need to try and garner um, grant funding, for example, to enable a pilot or a proof of concept kind of study. Um, so we're working with those uh, that team in particular to, um, to enable that and we can either write letters of support or, or potentially be um, co-applicants on that grant. Um, I think that there's another... Um, uh, one of our winning teams as well. I have a call just tomorrow, again, in a similar vein to actually talk about a particular funding route and um, the level of uh, sort of support or co-application that um, Eastern may, Eastern AHSM may be able to to provide. And, and I think with each of the companies, sorry, the, the, yeah, the companies, there has been... Um, different levels of um, of support since September. So what are we, we're now sort of uh, eight, uh, six plus months down the line. Um, and one of the organisations have certainly come to me, they've stayed together as a team and um, they've come to me to ask particular expertise around the methodology of of the um the sequencing etc that that they're planning um and and their model because that was an area i used to work in before i joined eastern ahsn um and so some of it will be making contacts with clinicians with researchers um, as well as uh, doing some of the the funding applications as well for example so, Lou, one thing that was really interesting there was was your kind of comment around that there was you've, you've moved forward with actually five of the six teams, and I think to maybe expose some of the internal conversation we had at the planning stage, I think one of my frustrations with things like hack days that I've seen and been involved in over the years is so often you get that kind of concentration of activity and energy but then everyone just goes back to their day job on the monday and all of that kind of work is lost so it's really encouraging to hear that that stuff has continued forward i think that's a really important differentiation with that with the approach of the medtech boost program yeah it's something that i've uh, again i'm i'm incredibly passionate about is not just having a, a standalone event or piece and then we'll go away with a lovely, warm, fuzzy feeling, which is, is also great, but there needs to be some output that can move you forward um, and, and ideally accelerate that journey. Um, so 
it's it's been very um, you know front of mind for us and to make sure it's it's appropriate. So again, I think coming back to the the remit of Eastern AHSN or the AHSN's full stop is to um, identify fairly late stage innovation that's I. I sort of call it clinic ready, that's pretty much ready for testing um, or piloting within a health or care setting um, sort of imminently. And you could argue that actually a lot of the MedTech Boost um, sort of idea generation um, was is a long way from there, some, some longer than others. Um, but I'm also, it probably comes back from my pharmaceutical background, is it's all about having a pipeline as well. And I do feel, as Jenny said earlier, that the, uh, the, our health care system is extremely complicated. And to engage in those conversations as early as possible with innovators and entrepreneurs really just helps them in that be conversant in what they need. So actually, they don't waste time um, in in what they think is important and, and they get to a point where they think they've got this sort of fully baked proposition and actually there's a massive gap in the middle because then you have to go back to the drawing board. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm really keen and I think this is also, I went into the MedTech Boost um, feeling that this was probably going to be an event that we would run every year um, and I, you know, I still stand by, we will have a regular cadence of, of the MedTech Boost. But I think what I learned on the other side of, of the judging day is that these innovators, these teams needed perhaps quite a, quite a bit or, you know, quite a bit of support. And, you know, it was quite early. And what I didn't want to do was just keep trying to turn the handle and, spit out another six teams in a year's time and that we can't actually demonstrate deliverables for the first six that went through the cohort. So I'm thinking of perhaps running this maybe every two years, just so that we get every, give everybody a chance to sort of get off the ground before we then start bringing in other healthcare themes um, and other teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the program isn't five days long, as you describe. It's that uh, it's that follow-on support and nurturing that the teams receive after the end of the five days of uh, the co-creation part. I might just also add in there um, just um, the kind of things that I experienced on the day is that all of those um, sort of innovators that came and, and joined that MedTech Boost, um, as well as some of the other programs that we've done, um, the, the Scale Up Academy and, and the Adventure event, they've come away with some skills like um, prepping and, and pitching to um, an NHS market, uh, an NHS sort of stakeholder market, getting those difficult questions and being able to answer them, thinking about their business canvas and, and looking at that and going, actually, this is a great product, but where on earth is it going to fit in? Um, and really thinking about like the market segmentation. So, so you know, is it a straight to a buy at home kind of device or, or application? Will it actually, be, who is your actual customer and who is your actual user? Um, and a lot of the, the ideas that came through at the MedTech Boost um, and, and further along on the pipeline when we're looking at, at, at businesses scaling up is then really nailing down where they actually need to target 
first and really making that a solid offer um, so that it can easily slip into um, sort of either a market space that, that's already going and quite well developed or create its own new one. And um, it's a really interesting um, kind of journey to use the sort of X factor um, kind of language um, to, to see that. And, and it really makes people think um, and, and, and take a step back and see that whole whole landscape in front of them yeah that's really interesting one key thing i was wondering how how has covid impacted the things you work on at the moment yeah so um uh, initially well so there's um members of our organization have um, been redeployed back into the nhs to help implement some of the technologies we're hearing a rolling out here we see in the headlines uh, sort of virtual consultations and some of the implementation of IT infrastructure um, and also there are some individuals as well from our organization working on the supporting the care home and that interface between care homes and and GP practices so that's um, you yeah, know been been a change of the model that we were we were operating under but again that's that's we uh, are supporting our our core commissioners um and our region i think from the commercial team perspective and and obviously you know a big part of my role last year uh was to get out and meet as many people on on patch as i possibly could um and that's stood us in good stead. We still have um, a lot of innovators coming forward, either pivoting their technology into a, a COVID context, as well as supporting all those other patients that are, are needing um, support and that they initially uh, created their technology for. Um, so we're working, um, we would all, we're always working on a national level with our other AHSN counterparts, but I would see that COVID is, has probably accelerated us doing that even, even better than we were. Um, so sharing those best practices, what works from a PPE perspective and, and those kinds of things. But I've always been very conscious that those patients, um, whether it's the early detection of cancer, whether it's some of the mental health aspects, and, and obviously COVID will have a big impact on mental health of the population as well as the workforce, um, that we I've always called it keep those plates spinning as well, because we want to be in a position that as the NHS, as the system resets itself and the um, system starts to get back to whatever the next new normal looks like, that we know those innovations that can support the, um, the patients and the population uh, coming through their doors. So what's going on right now? Do you have any events coming up? Yes, we've got some we've got some events coming up starting um, in July, actually. So these are um, I'm, I'm running throughout the rest of the year. Um, these are obviously all going to be on a, a virtual platform as everybody is running those these days. Um, so these will be very much about um, 
supporting innovators with those conversations with NHS stakeholders, maybe around market access, uh, procurement frameworks, etc. Um, and so these will be a, a, a trio of events called um, Insights to Impact that we're working with a, a partner, Wicked Minds, to, to deliver. Um, we will also be working with some of our other colleagues in the other AHSNs to deliver um, virtual, what we call bridging the gap events. And they do exactly that, help the innovators uh, navigate the the NHS. So that's the first time uh, we'll have been involved in that kind of program um, as as Eastern AHSN. And um, we've got some other particular stakeholder events where we uh, it's it's essentially needs matching so where somebody from the system or maybe a a charity have said they want to um, uncover um, the innovations in a particular domain then we as Eastern and the commercial team know those innovators and we can essentially do the sort of the due diligence to make sure that we put uh, you know whether it's six, eight, ten companies that f- we believe absolutely match their needs. So we call these pitch events, but um, and and then it's down to the the system or the stakeholder that's that's um, requested those innovations to actually um, determine if they want to take any or all of those forward. And and to date we've had um, some you know great success in probably about 80% of the innovators that we put towards the um, the system um, have have taken been taken forward and you know there's there's some traction there so so again it's um, it's not quite an exact science but um, bringing that value to our innovators as well as ultimately to to the system and the population that we serve well, we'll make sure we help promote those for you as well on the uh, on the Bradford website. Brilliant. Well, th- thanks both of you for taking the time out today to come on and have, have a chat. It's been really interesting. Um, where can people find more about Eastern? We have our website, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, so all the usual social media uh, feeds. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks once again. It's been it's been fascinating. Uh, looking forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. So another really interesting conversation. Really fascinating. I thought that that statistic about eighty-five percent of people growing up and actually staying in the region. Uh, I hadn't heard that one before. So that was quite interesting. No, me neither. Yeah, that was that was quite surprising because you would think the the east of England in particular, but the UK in general is a is a, a place where people move a lot around. So that, that that was surprising actually. And also the thing that I found most insight inspiring, frankly, was to hear about the, um, the the artificial pancreas that they are creating for people with uh, diabetes, or they're helping Professor Avoca um, to create from Cam Diab, um, and they're working with him in developing the value proposition and helping him go to market. And that, to me, was really um, lovely to hear a specific example of how they're adding um, innovation to, to the NHS and to, to healthcare in general in the UK. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then I, I really liked how kind of Louise is bringing through her scientific background into her, you know, her work and her approach at Eastern in terms of, you know, that that desire of experimentation. So, you know, I remember right from the off of those early conversations that Louise mentioned, you know, that that kind of uh, similarity with our approach and the way that we, we think about things as well. Just, you know, it fitted really nicely. And I'm glad that we've managed to deliver so much together. So thanks once again to Jenny and to Louise for coming on today. Really appreciate it. We hope you're finding these conversations interesting. Of course, feel free to um, suggest any guests that you might want to see on the show. Uh, You can find us at thebradfieldcentre.com under community events, and you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.